0: I'm J.D. Webb, and you're listening to the Golden Mike Podcast. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Water Sports' biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on-the-water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano.
1: Welcome everybody to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the noise of the north, Dan the Mano, and we are not coming at you from Orlando, Florida. No, we are coming at you from Auburndale, Polk County, Florida, just outside of Orlando. But it is now time for some audio sunshine. This audio podcast is based off the lake life, my passion for toad water sports and the athletes who have helped sculpt the landscape of the sport we love. Twice a month, I'm chatting up with the industry's top names, past and present, the riders, and the people behind the scenes who make this world on the water spin. The Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you for free on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes and at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, Woodrow's Hydro Fenders, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards SUP, C deck marine products and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find special offers and deals from the people who help me make this show happen. If you haven't subscribed to the Golden Mike podcast free on iTunes, please do, and don't forget to rate and review the show. Also, follow me on Instagram at danotimano and on Twitter at the Dano Mano, and at the golden underscore mike. You can also feel free to contact me anytime with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Well, happy holidays to those of you who are listening in real time. And for those of you maybe listening for your first time, hello to you and thanks for tuning in. It's episode 32 and the final episode for 2015. And I'm proud to announce that we have successfully gone a full year delivering episodes twice a month on time as promised, and I'm excited to continue producing content for the Toad water sports enthusiast in mind. Whether you're into wakeboarding or skiing, tubing, kneeboarding, or even disc riding, I don't judge. I love it all. Believe that there's a little room for it all in everybody's lives. All right, guys, let's move on to today's episode. JD Webb is our guest. JD has been in the game for a long time, He's one of wakeboarding's greatest and has the history and following to boast. JD is a real waterman. He can do anything behind a boat, a la wakeboard, barefoot, wake surf, etc. He can surf waves on the ocean with the best of them. I think he even fishes. He was born into the life on the water and JD lives it. He's a super hard worker and a decade after being named Rookie of the Year He's still making podiums and winning contests, like Brostock 2015. He's had his ups and downs, but one thing you can always guarantee is if you meet him in person, you'll quickly become a fan of his professionalism and kindness. He'll shine that big old smile, shake your hand, get the photo, give you some wakeboarding insight, maybe a story you never really know. But on this episode, I hope you get to know the man himself, J.D. Webb. And I'll be back with J.D. Webb on this 30-second episode of the Golden Mike Podcast in just one moment. Seadeck is the leading manufacturer of a range of comfortable and durable EVA non-skid products for the marine industry. Working with the manufacturing leaders in towed water sports boats, Seadeck has redefined non-skid flooring. No more stinky carpet or hard rubber mats deck provide exceptional non-skid, a luxurious feel, and because it can be customized to your specification, a unique look that will set your boat apart from the crowd. For a more in-depth look and for more information, visit Seadeck.com and you have the perfect addition to your boat. J.D. Webb. Good day to you, my
0: friend. How are you,
1: bud? Hey, man. I'm I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And also, we are mobile and I thank you for inviting me down to... Your casa.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for coming out. It's uh, it's definitely been a while, so it's good to have you back.
1: We're we're right outside of Orlando here in well, uh, Auburndale, Polk County, Florida. This used to pretty much be the spot where everything went down. But you're like last of the Mohicans. You're like one of the last ones down here still, right?
0: Yeah, you know. Uh, luckily for me, I've got uh, Brenton Priestley who lives with me, and then Jeff House lives in Winter Haven, and then Zane Schwank. But uh, for the most part, it's just us. You know, when we first moved up here, Parks and Shane were still in Lake Alfred. Um, there were a bunch of guys in the in the county. But uh, now it's, uh gets a little lonely. Yeah, but it's
1: nice, though, too, because you probably don't have the same temptations as a lot of us up in the Orlando area <laughs> have when downtown is much closer to home.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, that was uh, one of the reasons, you know. I can get to Orlando or Tampa quick if I want to. But uh Smack Dab in the middle. Yeah, I'm I'm right in the middle and um you know the lakes out here, my lake is insane. We're pretty much it's only us out here whenever we whenever we ride. Yeah, but these these lakes are pretty gatorfied, right? No. Come on. Come on. Everyone thinks Florida just has a lot of gators. Right. Which I mean you're from up north. You had to learn to Get used to it. I was scared. But, I still uh, am scared. Aren't we all? I mean, they're big dinosaurs. But at the same time, we've been in the water for how long? And nothing's happened, so you just kinda take it how it is. Gator attacks have never happened. Yeah, exactly. Knock on wood. I'm looking for something here where there we go. No, no, you're fine.
1: So you actually did have some thoughts about moving up to Orlando or Claremont area at what time at one time. So what happened to all those? Uh, you know, for me,
0: like I think it was more the fact that Owning a house out here, and I've got a rental property out here as well, and the way the economy was going, I just had to sit on the houses a little bit longer, and um, it just wasn't feasible for me to make it up there. You got that business mindset, my friend. I mean, got to try to make some money. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) Somehow,
1: right? Well, dude, I'm so glad to finally have you on. It's something we've talked about for a long time, and I actually almost lost you as a guest. You, You were about to bow out, right?
0: I mean, I always... I always give you crap, Dano. I mean, I love what you're doing, and you know, we've been friends for a long time, but you'd probably agree with me the most. If I'm not giving you crap, then you think something's wrong, Yeah, I'm actually mad at you. It's so, true.
1: It's true. I've, kn- I've I've known you since uh, pre-driver's license, yeah, I do believe at this point. A so. long time. Well, I saw you briefly at the Nautique dealer meeting this year. How did you enjoy that?
0: Oh, that was awesome. You know, it's, it's good for us to get around all the dealers and people that we're going to be working with for the upcoming boat show season and year. Uh, we got a lot of new product coming out at Nautique, uh, the new G23, we've got the new NSS surf system um, that they changed with the hull of the boat, so, you know, there's there's just a lot of stuff, and it was good to get refreshed on everything, we got new audio, we got a bunch of stuff, so, um, good to hang out with the dealers, you know, have them use us throughout the year and whatnot, and... uh yeah, just show face. Should be exciting season for sure. So here's the question. Did you, did you, or do any of the riders actually sit through the dealer meetings? I actually sat through pretty much every one. I mean, we have to be there from, you know, a specific time to a specific time, but they never say, Hey, sit through all these meetings. It's just kind of mingle and, you know, hang out with the dealers. But for me, like you gotta, you gotta learn the business side of things too.
1: And that's what I was going to get to, you know, as an athlete, you are, um, you have a lot more worth to the brand if you actually know all about it. And and I've tried to say it to a lot of athletes, you know, at the end of the day, you could be the best wakeboarder in the world. But if, if you're not putting butts in the seats, exactly. you know, what are you worth? Why are you going to get paid?
0: Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing that, you know, my dad's always tried to pound into my head is like, you can always be a great athlete. But what happens if you get hurt? What's, what's next? You have to make sure you're, you know, more valuable to these companies, you know, if something were to happen. So if you, you get the knowledge, you learn everything, you show that you're interested in what they're doing, and then you just go out on a day-to-day basis and work hard for them, you know, it's going to, you're going to have a longer um, career for sure. I yeah. mean, Murray. Yeah, exactly.
1: And he's still on the athlete side of things, yeah. you know? But yes, being smart, solidifying yourself a spot down the line, whether it's being a team manager or, or something in boat sales or or anything, you know.
0: For sure, yeah. I mean, Murray's probably in better shape than 99% of the athletes out there. So yes, he's um, been he's been very smart. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's killing it.
1: So what what is your relationship with some of the dealers? Are there any
0: dealers that you're super close to? Uh, yeah, you know the guys out at Buxton Marine. I uh, got a good relationship with them. They're one of Nautiques. Uh biggest dealers i think they sold almost sold 150 boats um in 2015 now they're out of
1: texas right? yeah they're
0: out of dallas texas um then sailing ski in austin got a good relationship with them and then uh pete mccallum at mccallum's boathouse up in boston uh you know there's a lot of them i try to try to get around um pretty much january and february is boat show season into march so i try to work as many of them as i possibly can and uh you know, just get to learn that business side of things, and you're probably a, you're probably a pretty hot commodity for these boat shows. You're probably a highly
1: requested athlete at uh, at some of these boat shows. I would assume.
0: Uh, you know, my, how to talk to the customers. Yeah, yeah. My my schedule gets pretty pretty full pretty fast. You and I so, have done
1: some boat shows together. In that the we best. have Chicago, uh, Chicago, Detroit. We've done together. Yep. It's been a long time. so we Back
0: when we used to do a lot of rail jams. A lot of rail jam
1: stuff. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Hey, man, I want to say congrats on 2015. It was a really, really, really good season for you. I thought Thank you, you uh some top five finishes, some top three finishes. You, you put some money in the pocket, some money in the bank. Any thoughts?
0: Yeah, you know, I definitely very excited about how this year went. Um, you know, I think I was looking over it the other day. got got, uh, I think, four podiums this year. Uh, winning Brostock was huge, but, uh, a lot of the pro tour stops, just being able to make it on the podium too, like getting third at masters, one of the hardest contests out there. And for me to be able to get a spot on the podium there was huge for me. Um, went into the last contest and third overall for the world series. And then I cooked it, you, but you, you rode high risk, high
1: reward all season though.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just was one of those things. I think I put too much pressure on myself, expecting my, like, all right, so if I can stand up, make it to the finals, you know, it's going to be a good weekend.
1: Is there more pressure as the season progressed? I mean, as you continued to do well coming into the last event, you probably felt a little bit more uh, pressure on the shoulders and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. But at the end of the day, too, I think I was more just beat up and tired. It was one of our longest seasons that we've had uh, ever. Yeah, and uh, for me, like I think when it came down to Houston, I was just like really tired, and I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, it didn't was, prepare as well as normal.
1: Sure, I well, dude, and and I can attest for this too. I mean, we went all around the world, and and it was like back to back to back. You know, maybe if we were lucky, we got a week off. But if we got a week off, somebody was throwing an off event in there, and exactly this this was the summer of appearances. I think that um. I think across the board, so many of us just this worked our tails off. And for me, I know this was, I worked harder than I ever have. And this has been my busiest year personally.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it was a great year for wakeboarding. That's for sure. Um, The WWA did a great job at, you know, getting us more contests, getting us more prize money and uh, taking us to places we've never been. And uh, I think just the all around shift of wakeboarding right now and where it's heading, I think it's, it's going in a good direction. I hope so and I'm I'm definitely keeping my fingers
1: crossed that uh that we continue to be uh moving forward in this direction. I think it's it's a positive direction for sure. Yep, without a doubt. So, competitions athlete-wise, uh, how is how's is the competition this year?
0: I mean, it it gets harder and harder every year. Like it's insane all these young kids coming up and what they're doing, it's just it's mind-blowing. And you could definitely tell like beginning of the year a little slow rolling for some of the rookie kids but then towards the end of the year i mean watching Corey tunis and watching dowdy you know those kids are just on fire they're they're giving uh phil and harley a run for their money like human video games yeah, it's insane and it's it's really cool to see the direction of the sport and where they're taking it but it also sucks being one of the older guys going oh man now these young kids are you know barking at the door
1: hey well you know what you just said giving harley and phil a run for the money you were giving harley and phil a run for the money too because at the end of the day when you know maybe maybe you're not doing mob 540 or double flips in contest but when you come out of the gates banging out a a a toe back seven with the style that you put into it when you have the cleanest back mob in the game i mean it it's it's uh quality over anything else these days it seems like
0: Yeah, you know, that's something that I really, like, try to stress on when I'm riding. Like, I want to go out there, and I don't want my run to look like anyone else's. Everyone's doing the mode fives and whatnot, which, you know, I've got a couple that I can do. But for me, I'd rather grab the board longer, poke it out, do something different. And, you know, this year it really showed with the judges, and they they enjoyed it. So I was definitely stoked that, you know, riding different from the rest of the group actually paid off.
1: It, It sure did, man. You you mentioned Phil Sovin a few moments ago, and you and Phil have been competing for for a really, really long time. I think Phil actually broke in, he's younger than you, right?
0: Yeah. He's, Phil's 26 now, I think, or and, 25. And you're
1: like 28?
0: I'm 28.
1: And Phil broke into pro a year or two before you did. Yep. You broke into pro around two two 2014, but you guys have been battling for so long. What's What's that been like?
0: You know, for me, Phil and I actually were in a couple barefoot contests before we even started wakeboarding against one another. So, we've we've gone back super far. But uh he's always been a good buddy of mine, you know. He is Phil and you know, he's got whatever you'd like to call it. Some people like him, some people don't, but at the end of the day, like the kid kills it. He's been one of the most consistent wakeboarders out there and you know, for me to just grew up riding with him. Like he'll always like, hey, do this differently or hey, do that. Like, yeah, he's the guy on the dock that's trying to get in your head, for sure. He's good at that. But he's always like, for me in general, like he's always been there to like, hey, you should, hey, try this or if I need help with a run or whatnot, and tell him who I'm riding against. All right, make sure you do that. Make sure you don't do this. And so it's good. Like we've we've got a good relationship. He is a bit of a <laughs> sometimes. So
1: and it well and that's kind of what I wanted to get to
0: well, first of all, how do you think people perceive him? He's been in the limelight since he was eleven years old. You know, people are like Phil Sovin, Phil Sovin, Phil Sovin. And a lot of it it I think it's more just like I don't know, I don't want to say socially awkward or whatnot, but he's like sometimes he just doesn't like someone will be talking, but he's like, Well, I don't really know what to say next and he's quiet. So a lot of, I mean, he's not quiet to his friends, but when, if the average person walks up, like he's very, he, he doesn't really have the, he doesn't sit down and take the time with them. And I don't think it's cause he's trying to be mean or be rude. Right. I think it's just like he gets put in an awkward position to where he's like, okay, um, I'll see you later. Have a good day. Gotta, I gotta,
1: I gotta hand it to Phil though. Every time I've ever done a, any kind of charity effort or anything, He's one of the first guys, hey, what can I do? for sure you know now he'll say that to me behind closed doors now in front <laughs> of in front of groups of people yeah. he's definitely going to be a little more of uh of a smart ass,
0: yeah, for sure,
1: but uh hey, it is what it is
0: you know like I mean like I was saying we've we've grown up together, I consider one of them one of my closest friends, and uh you know sometimes people might get the wrong impression just because of you know. His upbringing and just what he's uh, uh, been—what's the word I'm looking for? What he's just been—what, what? what, I don't know. I don't know. know. I so
1: I'm—I'm going to say this. Like sometimes, and and I try my best not to do this to Phil. I I try to give everybody this the same you know level playing field when I'm announcing. But I just in a way through media somehow over the years he's kind of been painted as the villain of wakeboarding, and it's it's not really true. He's opinionated. Yep. And you got to give him credit because he says what he wants. He says what's on his mind. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't care which, who you
0: are and which is good because a lot of us don't. A lot of us get taken advantage of. A lot of us get walked over from sponsors to people putting on contests to whoever. And Phil's not afraid to tell you how he feels. No, he and it's not a, not a bad thing. Well, he's he's sometimes. not afraid
1: to lay down the not politically correct answer. For sure. All right, well, this is your podcast, not Phil Sovins. I will have him on here someday, but I want to start talking about some of your roots stuff. Uh, you're from the west coast of Florida. Where did you actually grow up?
0: Uh, I grew up on Annemarie Island.
1: So is there waves there? Or was it
0: a surf town? Well, I mean, the Gulf Coast of Florida, the waves aren't consistent. I mean, waves in Florida in general aren't consistent, but, uh, you know, when whenever we have a cold front or if you have a hurricane that comes through, like, you'll get waves so I started out surfing at three years old. Uh, my dad, uncle, they grew up surfing, skating, you know, fishing, doing that whole um, whole thing. So got into surfing at a young age. And once you realize that you don't have consistent waves, you got to move to something else.
1: Absolutely. So how old were you guys when you decided to move out of, out of the West Coast?
0: Um, I was 13. So I was in sixth grade. I remember uh, when we moved up here, we started show skiing over on the Gulf Coast. That was like the next thing that we did when, you know, there wasn't swell. So it was, it was cool because it brought the whole family together and we could all participate and, you know, uh, have some fun. Sure.
1: So you talk about your dad having, I've heard you talk about your dad having a skate and surf background. You just mentioned a little bit of the surf. Uh, and I obviously know he's been a huge influence in your life. He's been a huge influence in a lot of people in our industry's lives. You know, he's been always been a guy that people can go and talk to and whatnot. Um, but can you give us a little bit about, about Ben's history, Ben Ben Webb?
0: I mean, not only Ben, but my mom as well. You know, both of my parents, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without them. They sacrificed pretty much everything so I could wakeboard. My dad sold his business so we could move from the Gulf Coast up to here, not knowing what the, he was going to do next. You know, so moved up here, and it took both of my parents to go, all right, let's do that, and they did all that just so I could you know ride a wakeboard
1: it's It's amazing, but you didn't start out as a wakeboarder. You just mentioned that you that you got into show skiing. you also mentioned a little bit about barefooting. So how did you guys get involved into the toad water sports lifestyle?
0: Um I think a lot of it had to do with you know my dad and them, like I was saying, they were fishing guides back in the day and they always had boats growing up and they, you know, would go ski behind their boats and whatnot. Well, when we weren't surfing, like my dad was pulling us around on a knee board behind a 24 foot Carolina skiff with a tower. And we're like, one day my parents are like, well, why don't we try the show ski thing out? Because Sarasota skieries, which is only about 35 minutes from Anna Maria. They're like, let's go down there and check it out. And you know, one thing led to another and we were all show skiing.
1: All right, so so what did you do in the ski show?
0: Uh, in the ski show, I did pyramid. I was on top of the double top four tier when I was five years old, six years old, um, wearing some purple tights. That's part of the show ski background, I guess. Well, I, um, I was you know, you know <laughs> I yeah, did we've all done it. But uh, I barefooted. I did we're around the boats. Everyone calls it differently sometimes. Um, and then I wakeboarded as well. Okay, so you started as a show skier, and then you
1: got into pretty competitive barefooting as well, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I started training with Ron Scarpa when I was probably six years old, and uh, that's what started us coming up to Winter Haven.
1: Okay, did you dabble in any traditional water skiing at all?
0: No, I never did any of the three-event stuff. It was just show skiing and barefooting.
1: Yeah, but you and I have had this ongoing battle that you'd crush me on a trick ski for years. For- for a decade now and we've never actually gone out and had a, a contest against each other, but I always just kind of assumed that you were a (laughs) trick
0: skier. No, I mean, I think it's more along the line when, especially when, uh, I lived at my other house and we used to have these battles and talk crap to one another. Um, I would always take my trick out behind my wakeboard boat. I tried tricking behind an actual ski boat. That's so hard. It's ridiculous. It's not easy at all, but I mean, I could pretty much do my wakeboard run on a trick ski. Yeah.
1: Very impressive. Behind
0: my behind my wakeboard boat. I love it.
1: I love it. One of my favorite things to do. Trick skiing. People don't give it enough credit, but it, it's and, not easy. And you know what you know what else? The traditional trick skiers won't give riding behind a big wave a big wake a try. Like I love adding fifteen feet to my rope and riding the G twenty three or the G twenty five. For sure. It's it's a it's a blast, man. It's so much fun. Obviously you you're not going to bang out 60 tricks in 20 seconds. Yeah, exactly. It's still like a lot of fun. You mentioned that you competed against Phil Sovin in barefooting. Who are anybody else, guys like Watson or
0: um, Parks? I re- Parks for sure. Uh, we did a Banana George contest, and endurance contest up at Cypress Gardens one time. And I can't remember exactly what I said to Parks or something, but we joke about it all the time, I guess. Because I had never really seen him at the barefoot contest before, and I'd been doing it for years, and I guess I might have said some smart-ass little thing to him, but he keeps holding it over my shoulders. Yeah, you're like
1: <laughs> you like eight years old, yeah. talking smack to PB. Yep. It, it, PB's not that much older than you now, is he? Well, PB's got like five years on you, so, yeah, yeah. so yeah, you're, yeah, so you're talking smack to, it was probably right before Parks transitioned into his whole wakeboard career, Yeah. He, he was winning X Games at 14. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember your first wakeboard experience?
0: I do, actually. I wouldn't even say my first wakeboarding experience, but the first time I encountered someone else wakeboarding and knew that that's what I wanted to do. And it was back when we were in Sarasota. Um, Zane Swank was also part of the Showski team. Right. And uh, I remember this is back when I was just barefooting and climbing pyramids and not doing too much. And I saw Zane. He did a big s for the time i'm like man that looks really rad like that's what i want to do i told my dad so next thing you know we bought my first wakeboard from a national kidney foundation silent auction and got me a wakeboard and you know from there it was just trying to ride every single weekend when we went down to the show ski um team so you were doing
1: the wakeboard thing and the show ski thing at, at the same exact time how fast did wakeboarding become your main focus
0: all right. So from about five to nine is when I was show skiing to barefooting. Um, I started wakeboarding when I was nine years old and pretty much I barefooted till I was 10 competitively. And then it really transitioned. Like I was going up to train with Scarpa and I was bringing my wakeboard. I was riding, riding my wakeboard instead of footing with them. So that how, was kind of how, how did Ron take that? He was actually really, really good about it. You know, we had a really good relationship with Ron and, uh, he was definitely a, a big influence for me growing up. He definitely uh, helped me out a ton.
1: You were right there. You were a part of that era where a lot of the traditional skiers or footers or people who had been doing it for years just looked at wakeboarding like it was a joke. And he, my dad was one of them. My dad always told me, hey, this this sport is going nowhere. Yeah,
0: you know? it's it was, it was different. And the people that were doing it were, were not your traditional water skiers. Yeah, and, know, and so. the
1: traditional water skiers were kind of being... Like, I don't know. They they were kind of outsiders compared to the, exactly. it seems like.
0: Water skiing and wakeboarding have always had their differences. It's cool nowadays to see it and how much it, they've both evolved. And, I mean, you go to the Masters and we're all hanging out together. There's no crap talking with anybody. Like, we all respect what each other do. And it's just, you know we we all play on the water a little bit differently but at the same time it's like one big family.
1: I think the skiers at least the younger skiers are starting to realize that hey, we're not here to take uh, that you that the wakeboarders aren't here to take away their tradition. It's just something new. It's just For sure. the evolution, you know. And and now in in wakeboarding we're kind of starting to see that with the whole wake surf thing.
0: It's us against the wake surfers now.
1: Yeah. And at the, at the you know, it's, it, the crazy thing is at the end of the day, you know, Realistically, guys like you could probably go to a wake surf contest and yeah, but do I don't okay. even want to.
0: For me, wake surfing is recreational. Like sure. it's fun to do on the weekend, but there's no risk. Yeah, no so doubt. There's really,
1: but there's no there's there's no question that there's a lot of money being allocated towards wake surfing. Oh, now. without
0: a doubt. I mean, you see every every boat company out there, they're designing boats for wake surfing. Yeah. So, I mean. 20 year old kid isn't going to be able to go afford a g23 no it's the, their dad who wants the to wave. wake surf yeah.
1: it's the wave yeah
0: so it's uh it's definitely uh i think i think transition I
1: think, I think we'll see the wake surf thing kind of plateau and then i think we're going to start seeing the cable uh start growing again well, i think it's continuing to grow i just think that it's kind of being overshadowed right now yeah. by the whole wake surf
0: phenomenon but cable's going to save the sport Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's uh, it's feasible for people to do. They can go ride for the whole day for, you know, 40 bucks. And we're going to start seeing more
1: cable. Well, we are already starting to see more cable parks popping everywhere. up everywhere, uh, all around the country, all around the world. I'm sure in the next 10 years we'll start seeing an indoor cable parks uh, starting to come around. So it's just, it's exciting.
0: Yeah, without it's a, a doubt. It's an
1: exciting time for us. Uh, getting back to, to your beginnings. So you were obviously a competitive barefooter, so getting into wakeboarding, Uh, The next step, obviously, was competitive wakeboarding. So what was your first contest?
0: Uh, My first contest was in Jacksonville. Uh, It was uh, Extreme Cup or... X-Cup. X-Cups that Sean Dishman used to put on. Right. And um, that was my first contest. That's where I met Danny. That's where I met Byerly. Do you remember what year this was? Oh, man, I'm the worst with
1: remembering. But I'm guessing this has got to be late 90s.
0: Yeah, for sure. It it wasn't into the 2000s. It was definitely probably 90 I would think 97,
1: 98. Yeah, I mean obviously I've been following wakeboarding for a long long time and you you were one of the original groms, you know? Like you're one you're like right there right behind uh guys like Shane and I think Froggy or Philip had a yeah. had a big name too, but I mean you when you came out of the gates it wasn't like, oh this it wasn't like oh, this kids super super tech blah blah blah. It was like, oh my gosh, look at this kid's style
0: and watch him on the rails. Well, the rails didn't come till When was the first carnival? That 99? Yeah, I wasn't involved in the first carnival. I helped paint all the rails for the first carnival, but I wasn't able to ride.
1: Sure. Sure. you're. Um, so were you there? Were you able to spectate? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I watched everything, and then I competed in the second that's one when I was a little older.
1: That's because of Ben.
0: Yeah, Ben <laughs> Webb was with you. He's cool. Yep. <laughs> so w-
1: one of my first memories of you before actually meeting you was uh, the cover of Alliance Mag. It must have been around 2002, and to my recollection, I remember seeing Ruck's name on the cover, super big, and there was it was a rail shot, and... It took me a long time to realize that that was you. You were wearing the same vest that Ruck was wearing at the time. At the time, uh, you guys were both wearing that like really popular red and silver or jet blue. pilot vest. Yeah, yeah that molded <laughs> that molded jet pilot vest. But but what I'm getting at is super early. You were standing out as as a super stylish rider. I think that a lot of athletes took notice of you. How are you able to develop such such style at an early age?
0: You know, uh, a lot of it had to do with my dad, um, coming from the surf and skate background that he had. Um, he gave me like, when I started wakeboarding, he gave me people to, to watch, you know, Hey, there's Sean Murray, see his work ethic, see what he does. Like you want to, you know, take, take bits and pieces from all these riders and then, Hey, look at Byerly, one of the most stylish wakeboarders to date. Like, even now, like, the guy is insane. And he would always just kind of tell me, you know, little bits and things. Like, if I was to learn anything, cool, good job, but you should grab it now. Like, he was always making me grab my board. And when it came to rails and stuff, if we were building rails out in the backyard. And this is back when we used PVC pipes. It's, yeah, you get one piece of PVC pipe, you're not using two. So, like, he made us, like, do it the harder way first. Sure. You know, and I think that definitely helped me out a lot along the way to uh, to be better at riding rails.
1: You know, starting at page one and then just building up, you know? For sure. Yeah. So do you remember anything from your days as a Grom in like juniors?
0: Uh, juniors. The main thing that sticks out for me in juniors was in 2003 when Danny Thalander ruined my undefeated year. Oh, really? Yep. Break it down. What happened? I mean, we were in Kelowna, B.C., and I I had won every single contest that year, coming into Kelowna, and uh, I mean for the people that have been to Kelowna or have, know anything about that site, it's probably one of the worst sites you can wakeboard at. Super rough. So any it's anyone's contest, and uh, I got second that weekend, and Danny Danny beat me. You're on your on track to a perfect season. Exactly. I won the the next couple ones, and that was the only one that I didn't win that year. So. That was like one of the big things for me in juniors. I was like, Man, it would have been nice to have that. You hold that against Danny still? Oh, definitely not.
1: Danny Danny's awesome. He's still around, he's still competing. Who are some of the other guys from back then that are still riding?
0: Man, it's crazy crazy, uh, to really see how many people have come and gone like go in this industry. A lot of really good riders and then they realize, hey, I should probably go to school. This isn't really <laughs> the best route for me. But I mean I would say that I was competing with in juniors. Jeff House is still around. Um, who else? Henshaw? The Henshaw, but he's not really doing any boat stuff anymore, but he's still still around. But it's really, there's not many. There's yeah. not many because if you look like, I mean, obviously you got Shane and Danny and those guys. Those are like the group above me. And then underneath you got like Jimmy LaRitch and Adam Arrington right. and whatnot. But from my, um, from around... When I was in juniors, I think that's about it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Are there any names that you're surprised that are like no longer a part of it anymore? The guys that you thought would have been here for years and years. That's a tough one. Um, Hank Carter. He uh it's so funny. Him and Justin Sellers came down earlier um this spring and uh came down and rode for a couple of days and Hank just crushed it. He's living out in Colorado doing his own thing. Justin's out there as well, but those were two of the kids that I grew up riding with all the time, and um, it was cool to see them come down and throw on a wakeboard again and see what they could do. So, what are what are like those guys doing nowadays? To be honest, I don't. Justin, I think, is working at a bank, and then uh, Hank, I don't know exactly what Hank's doing. They're probably snowboarding
1: every day. Yeah, they're they're big living fat it up. Paychecks. Yeah, exactly. Hey.
0: I remember I was talking to somebody. I can't recall off the top of my head, but uh, it's like, hey man, how's things going? Well, now that I stopped wakeboarding, I'm actually starting to make good money and life's great. I'm yeah. not stressing anymore. Hey, at the end of the day, though, we've gained some really great life experiences. Oh, without a doubt, I wouldn't so, change it for the world. This is the best thing. Couldn't and wouldn't. Yep, exactly.
1: Okay, so 2003, Kelowna, a little bit of an upset. Yep. But then, fast forward one year. 2004, you broke into pro. You went back to Kelowna, and you took a win. It was your first year in the Pro Wakeboard Tour. Almost unheard of to, for a rookie to, to take wins back in, in, in those days. You won Rookie of the Year that same season. Um, did, do you recall ever uh, feeling pressure as a, as a young rider?
0: Uh, Not really, because no one really expects anything of you they expect you to go out there and you know just kind of get your feet wet a little bit and uh see what happens and i think for me when i don't have pressure is when i ride the best and um and like you're saying like through my whole career ups and downs and whatnot you can definitely tell the years that i'm more relaxed and the years that i have people telling me i need to do good right <laughs> absolutely so, was 2015
1: one of those years that people were telling you, you had to do good?
0: No, definitely not. And you just definitely came out not. swinging, son. Yeah, it was a good year.
1: So, I recently saw an interview with you saying pre-2014, 2008 was your best season. Can you remember what made that year stand out so much?
0: I think it was just the contest. Like, going out, I think I made it... I don't want to say made every final, but I know majority of the finals... I was in every final. Uh, I podiumed a ton that year, and uh, I got s- second or third overall. I think I got second overall, something like that. Yeah, was- but uh, I don't know. It's pretty bad that I can't remember half of my s- stats. But we'll we'll just chalk is what that up. Is. We'll
1: chalk that up to a lot of wakeboard <laughs> falls.
0: Yeah, I, I did well in 2008. I was pumped.
1: It's unfortunately the history of wakeboarding is hard to keep up with because it's really hard to find old results. I think um, wakeboarding hall of fame's doing a pretty good job at trying to to start something and get something. it rolling. And I, I support those guys. I, too. I'm backing those guys up. I know some people are kind of like uh, not sure what they're doing over there, but I feel like those guys all have good hearts and are yep. doing things for the right reason.
0: Yeah. They care about the sport and a lot of it has to do with they're, they're open for suggestions. They ask questions. They don't think that they know everything, which is huge. Right, so uh, that's that's big for me.
1: Yeah, I was I was pretty honored. They asked me to announce or host or whatever at Surf Expo the induction of all of their the first class and awesome. So through that, you know, I got to meet Andrea Gaetan for the first time, Eric Perez, who I actually had on the podcast. Yeah, now is a super super popular one. Uh, a guy by the name of Tony Klarich, who yeah. I actually met him last year at the USA Water Ski uh awards that i that i hosted but he was a guy that i watched a lot i know he kind of he he kind of had that whole water ski thing and i think he was kind of pushed out a little bit because he's kind of had a goofier uh, approach to the sport but i think now as as we've all grown and
0: gotten older i think people are starting to kind of respect what what tony does and for sure and i mean the the fact that like the way that i see it is whether you're goofy whether you're different, like. As long as you're out there doing it and you're spreading wakeboarding to people that haven't done it before, like we're all growing the sport. Everyone has their way of doing things.
1: That's right. Just just growing exposure, getting more. Like I said earlier, getting more butts in the seats of those boats, getting more feet inside those boots, uh, on the boards, on the ski. It doesn't matter for just sure. Behind the boat, getting a handle in that hand. Yeah, I agree. That's what's important. All right, JD. We're gonna stop right now for just a moment to talk about a great holiday deal from Performance Ski and Surf available to the end of 2015. All right, Toad Water Sports Enthusiasts, if you caught episode 30, then you know all about the amazing opportunity Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando is offering to all Golden Mike podcast listeners. Get a $50 gift certificate for only $30. That's right, 50 for only 30, and it can be used online or in-store anytime. Here's how it works. Stop into Performance Ski and Surf call or email sales at perfski.com. Tell them you heard about this offer on the Golden Mike Podcast or simply ask for the Dano deal of the day and they'll get you covered. Also, they're going to hook you up with a free protective neoprene cover for your board or ski with any 2016 wakeboard or ski purchase. Just mention the Golden Mike Podcast or the Dano deal of the day and Performance Ski and Surf will hook you up. And now back to the show with performance ski and surf athlete, J.D. Webb. J.D., I want to talk to you about your appearance on Stunt Junkies. First, can you describe what the show was and the stunt that you performed?
0: All right, yeah, so Stunt Junkies is pretty much a show that they had on the Discovery Channel, and it was just a bunch of extreme sport athletes doing crazy stuff within their sport. And for me, uh, Ryan Lamos came to me and wanted me to jump the Lake Eola Fountain downtown Orlando.
1: Very cool. So, so, how did you guys get everything all set up?
0: Uh, we just kind of w- winged it. Like it was. Uh, I mean, we we hired the guys at Step Up Productions, Ryan Davis and Kevin Little, to build the jumps. And uh, can you just just describe what the setup was? Um, so the the takeoff ramp was eighteen feet tall. Uh, it was four feet wide, and then the landing ramp was ten. No, it was eight feet wide, and fifteen feet tall, and the gap. Uh, the gap was sixty foot wide. Sixty
1: foot wide, and this is not on a cable. This is done behind a boat.
0: I was uh, it was behind uh, a Nautique ski boat with a tower on it, and my rope was hundred and thirty feet long.
1: How did you guys prepare for this?
0: Uh, so we had all the jumps set up at my house the week before the the event. And uh, so I could practice and figure out, you know, the angle of the jumps, how fast we had to be going and whatnot. And so the first time we set the jumps up, we set them up directly facing one another. And um, the gap was only 20 feet. I'm like, let's just keep it small. Let me figure out what speed because I don't want to just crank it out and hope for the best. A la Parks Bonifay All or Nothing. Exactly. Exactly. So we pretty much went... Oh man, that was stupid. I told him to go like 22 miles an hour for the first go. Well, when you've got something that tall and your your pull point's down low, you create more friction because it's pulling you into the actual jump. So you actually gain a lot more speed up the ramp than uh, you, you're actually going behind the boat. So 22 miles an hour sent me about 10, 15 feet past the end of the landing ramp when I was 30, 35 feet in the air. Um, and with how long the, the, um, the takeoff was, it pulled me back towards the boat. So even if I would have landed on the down, I'm still landing. I landed like 10 feet to the left of the ramps anyways. So it took us a while. We pretty much had to angle the jump. So it was more, you know, cut in and it's more like a pendulum. So sure. You're like swinging out and then coming back down on a ramp that's, you know, to the left of your takeoff. So there's more to this than just lining it up and going for it. Exactly. It was, it was definitely a a big learning experience. Um, when we got everything figured out, we got it to 60 feet and we're supposed to be taking the ramps down for the next day. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go one more time. If you ask Murray, you never say one more time. And, uh, this is, there's a little bit of a headwind. Didn't push off as hard. And, uh, Came up short. Luckily, the boys at Step Up built, like, a safety deck, and it wasn't just, like, a down. So I landed, like, right at the front of the safety deck, broke that, tumbled down the backside, and that was my last hit before we went to Lake Iola. So come game day, are you nervous? Oh, of course. Because, I mean, mentally, I'm just, like, what if this happens again, and now I got this fountain here, and there's all these people that are going to be watching me. Um, they could watch me die today. This would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but we were supposed to have a full practice day at Lake Iola. Well, the silt was so bad that we couldn't figure out how to anchor the ramps. It took us all day. Sure. So my practice day didn't happen. So I pretty much, the first time I woke up at 6.30 in the morning on September 30th and... A.K.A. J.D. Web Day. J.D. Web Day and Park Spawn of his birthday. Um, <laughs> we always laugh about that. But, uh, yeah, so I pretty much was up six thirty call time was well, call time was six thirty, and uh we we did it at eight
1: and everything and how many tries one try
0: um, I think I did it three times, I'm pretty sure i uh luckily had an earpiece, um, I had cameras, I had everything strapped to me as well, so I could talk to Murray, he couldn't talk back to me but he could like if i was in the air and i'm like i'm coming up short pen it like he could hear that cool but there was so much slack in the rope anyways that it really wouldn't have helped right um but it, it was more just reassuring to me and i didn't think about that till afterwards sure
1: sure <laughs> hey, so wh- why don't you think we see any anybody doing things like that anymore you know okay parks did the all or nothing gap that was behind a boat i'm trying to think of some of some of the other ones that have been big behind the boat but it seems like rail riding behind boats is something of the past.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, there might be a couple of guys out that they're out there that still use jet skis and to hit rails and whatnot on their on their lakes that they build. But uh, most of the time, people are going to the cable parks. So the cable parks have definitely helped. Uh, you know, it's just a floating skate park.
1: Right. Right. Well, okay, so stunt junkies, as far as like toad water sports go, they didn't just have wakeboarding; they also had water skiing. They had Scott Ellis jump something like fourteen ski boats, yeah. And then they had like Geno Yockler do something. I oh, I he jumped. A, I think he jumped a boat on a on a hydrofoil
0: with a tower too, didn't it? I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, something like I don't that. Know. It was. It it, whatever it was, it was stupid. So okay, well that's what I was going to ask if you if you had caught any of those or had
0: any. I watched Scotts. I definitely watched Scotts. Um, and I watched a lot of the other ones too, the BMX ones and whatnot. So, I mean, it was definitely something cool, but they ended up not doing it anymore. I think it was more of a liability than anything. Well, yeah, somebody was
1: going to die. Pretty, I mean that that one where they had the guy uh, squirrel suit right through a or was he parachuting or something? Was it into the boxes? No, like through a barn, like an open. Oh, I don't even know. They had some really, really crazy ones. Yeah. You know what that? You, speaking of that stunt that you did on Stunt Junkies, it was just like a year or two later we did a rail jam at NASCAR. Yep. And the Step Up Productions guys built a huge mega ramp over, over the Step Up Productions bus mm-hmm. or something. like It was stupid. It was it the was start massive. pool was like, fifteen feet above the ground into another big kicker. So I mean that meant as you were taking off, you're like. 20 feet off the ground or something like that i remember kyle alberts was the was the guinea pig
0: on that one yeah kyle and then phil and then myself were like the three guys that would hit the big the big gap right but uh
1: kyle and you remember kyle cased it on the first try yep and he just got bucked and went right from the top and back flopped (laughs) yeah And when he it came sucks up,
0: being the guinea pig. Well, dude, well, we've funny, all been there. Like when you build a new rail, you got to hit it first. Somebody and whatever. has to do Like it. it's
1: well, if Chad Sharp's there, somebody, if Chad yeah. Sharp's not there. Somebody has to hit it. First, exactly. Right? My fate my the funniest thing was, luckily Kyle was okay for but sure. When he went down, it was like he was not okay. He came down, went underwater, and he came back up screaming. And we all jump in the pool, and we're and he's like, "No, I'm fine."
0: Yeah. And we're just like. Well, you know Kyle just, he over-exaggerated sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the one time that he did the morning news and he got yanked off the dock into the pool, he was so mad, he just yelled.
1: That was was (laughs) one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. I was there in person. Ruck and I were doing the on-land interview portion of that. And when, that was at like 6.30 in the morning and when Kyle went in. And I'm sure you guys didn't have a early night the night before either so right we did have early night early and uh, we had an early morning yeah <laughs> early morning then early morning call so man i miss i miss some of those uh those crazy stunts that we that we used to do we had and some fun hopefully hopefully we'll start seeing some more of that stuff pop up you for know? sure I, I don't know i mean i think the stunt chunkies thing definitely put some more eyes on the sport
0: yeah without a doubt anytime that our sport can get nationally recognized. And being on a platform like that is huge. Um, Whether it's stunt junkies to the X Games stuff that they had or, you know, even Wake Brothers. I mean, yeah, some of us look at it as, you know, not the core cool, but it got a lot of people to see what wakeboarding was that didn't know what wakeboarding was.
1: Bob's still famous from it, right?
0: They they all are.
1: Yeah. I I didn't think it was that bad, honestly. At at the end of
0: the day, we're trying to get more people... (laughs) To wakeboard, yeah, absolutely. And however we have to go about that, sure. Because the more people that wakeboard, the more sponsorship dollars, the more money that's going to come in, and really help this sport grow. Yeah, the longer we and the longer we can continue doing our thing as well. Well, I'll be old and gone. Yeah. Well, but maybe you'll,
1: but maybe you'll you inspire some great young minds into the sport. That's the goal. Hopefully, hopefully. You talked about like Ron Scarpa, and who's a barefooter outside of wakeboarding. Who are some of the other names in Toad Water Sports, maybe not necessarily wakeboarders that that you respect?
0: CW Lowe. He was always the start doc guy when we were young and uh lucky and all the boys. You know, it's just it's really cool to see what they've done for the sport and uh, you know, Andy Maple being one of them as well. Um there's so many people, whether it's you grew up on a wakeboard or you grew up skiing, there's there's a lot of people that um even if it's on the other side of the spectrum that you notice and uh they just had a huge impact on on what we do and just the drive their de- their determination everything to to push it
1: have you ever felt like that animosity between like have you ever been in a situation with a skier or anything oh, like that oh for sure i i mean it, are we still are we still feeling it or is it not kind of not as much out? Any, not
0: as much anymore it, it used to be but to be honest there's um you know, the younger generation and even the older, older skiers too, like everyone's cordial with everyone, unless there's a conflict or something in the past that, you know, that's re-brought up, then you're going to see some stuff. Um, I had some chick jumper tell me that my fountain jump was stupid and not, not, uh, that they jump 200 feet all day long and they don't have to land on a down ramp and all kinds of stuff. So that kind of pissed me off. but Understandably. Uh, but it is what it is. La- that's just somebody there's just who's some just people. As clueless. <laughs> yeah, it's just some people just don't know when to shut up. I, I, I'm a skier, and you know
1: it. And yep. I But I love everything. I don't. Yeah. It, I don't really care. Whatever you want to do, you do. I don't. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but I, I will have to say this: I think it would be a lot easier for a wakeboarder to go a hundred, hundred and fifty feet than it would be for a skier to learn how to do a seven twenty or a nine hundred.
0: You never know. I mean, they're they're both very hard. My personal opinion, exactly.
1: I, I think it would be a lot easier for you to reach. 10, oh, I keep telling points. Zach.
0: I keep telling Zach because I I'm so bummed I missed ski club this year. Yeah, and I didn't come because I told him I'm like I got to jump over 100 feet this year. It's so, probably gonna be your
1: fourth try.
0: Oh man, then I'm gonna want to go more. I far saw than... <laughs> Zach. I saw
1: Zach go. I think 210 feet off of like a single weight cut. On a five and a half foot jump.
0: Yeah, you know he's,
1: he's a beast. He's he's yeah. a madman. Hey, he's a good guy. That's, yeah, for hey, sure. That's why I had him on the podcast. Hey, he We're is a good. good guy. All right, JD. In 2014, you released two major web edits. One of which called another one down mm-hmm. uh, was filmed and edited by Spencer Norris and you guys together won web edit of the year at the Wake Awards. Was that a surprise?
0: Um. Yeah. There's there's always so many good web edits out there. And, uh, you know, Spencer and I have always worked together and always worked well together and, um, was really pumped to, uh, to take that one, um, put a lot of effort into it. Definitely. I would have liked to have a little bit more rail stuff in there, but, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I was doing behind the wake to be able to do that wrap nose, grab toe back nine wake to wake was huge for me and have some other good bangers in there. Um, it's definitely, definitely stoked to, to take that one. Speaking of the rail stuff, I want to see you do some more rail stuff.
1: I want to see, I want to see you year. guys bring the boat back into the whole thing. I want to see no, some of those happening. old school pointless It's cabs. not going to happen. Not anymore. No. It's all cable. Yep. I, it is a heck of a lot safer. That
0: and winching. I mean, yeah. I want to do a lot more winching stuff next year.
1: Well, dude, you've, you, you have one of the most creative minds in the business, so I'm definitely uh, looking forward to seeing what, what, what you're going to put out. Yeah, thank you. And I know that video exposure is super important, but so are contests. And... You've been doing a good job of staying pretty relevant on both sides of that fence for for a long time, but I've heard you say a, a time or two that you really don't care about winning.
0: Is that true? Everyone wants to do well. And for me, like, if I can do well, awesome. But I'm looking at trying to be, to go out and do different things. So I would rather, I mean, obviously, if I could win contests all the time, I'd you know, financially it'd be great. But for me, like it's never been a huge priority and I've never really taken it to the point to where I'm like, all right, I got to go ride four times today. I got to do my contest run this many times. Like that's not fun for me. And If I'm not having fun, then I'm going backwards anyways. But do you think that if you did ride four times a day, you'd be winning contests? No, I don't think so. I think it's me putting a lot of extra pressure on myself when I get to the contest because it's like I've worked so hard for this. I've been busting my ass. I got to make sure... That I do well today.
1: So what you're saying is doing well is the icing and a win would be the cherry on top. For sure. Very cool, man. Being a long-time contest rider, what do you think, if anything, do contests lack today compared to like when you started?
0: They're the exact same. You know, yeah, we've we've changed formats up a little bit here and there. um, And tricks have gotten harder and different and whatnot. But the contests, for the most part, are the same. Down and back, you get so many falls, and that's it. You've been to one wakeboard contest, you've been to them all, yeah. which it's unfortunate.
1: I, 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 I agree in one way, but at the same token, there's been so many events that we've gone to over the years that are, I know the contests that you're talking about, yeah. but they're also outside the box contests. You you know, you're, a, you're a, a Wake Lab winner back in the day, yeah. you've done real jam events. I think, okay, I'm going to pull one out. You ready? You won the Stockyard Slam in Texas years ago. <laughs> you know, there's so many like different rail jam events. Yep. You go across. Uh, you go across. There's uh, fees. Then there's a Harbor Reach. There's so many of these different events. What would your ideal contest be?
0: I mean, Red Bull did a good job doing Wake Lab. You know, not I'm sorry, not Wake Lab, but Wake Open. Sure. And uh, which was just basically bringing...
1: the three event contest of wakeboarding.
0: Exactly. And to me, like. There's a lot of really good wakeboarders out there Um, and you see it in other sports to where you got skaters that only skate street. You got guys that only do vert and they just stick to that. And that's probably where you're going to see our industry go. But it's really cool also to see who can ride rails, who can ride boat, who can do big air. Like it's awesome. I mean, there's, there's so many guys out there that are really well-rounded riders and um to see those guys like kind of shine like because for me like i would say like back when we had rails and contests that was a big thing for me because i could go out and not throw as hard of tricks as someone else but then i could go out and crush it on the rails right and that was gonna help you know get me into that next round because i was more well-rounded than the other athlete but i mean it's just it's wakeboarding's come a long way and uh yeah it's it's gonna be cool to see you know where it goes with with cable and boat and you know hopefully we get another one of those little three event kind of um contests again
1: well i like the final stop of the wakeboard world series this this last year the houston pro i thought it was really neat there was three events there there was boat there was traditional cable and then features only cable for sure and i think it would be really neat National's does that same thing. Nautique's done a great job the last three years, incorporating cable, uh, wake park,
0: and and boat at the same event. Do they have an overall for that? I don't think Uh, so. And that's where I wish that they would do it because then, like, I mean, for us, like, going to our sponsors too, like, it's, hey, you know, I did great in boat, but I also did good in cable, and look at where I was overall. Sure. And that's just another way for us to kind of, you know, show our self worth. Not only because I mean, look at Nautique and action parks, like they're they're opening up cable parks. They're getting into that industry, and if they see that you know I can go out and ride cable just as good as I can ride boat, which I I can't. I'm just using it as a as a um example, an of course, example. And... That's the word I was looking for. But yeah, we're more valuable that way. Do you find it hard to be a boat rider in the
1: quickly growing world of cable?
0: No, because I feel like I could transition into cable. Um, like, like we talked about earlier, is just the amount of rail riding I've done in my career. Um, I'm definitely way behind, um, from where cable riding is now. It would take a lot of work and a lot of, you know, dedication to, you know, get there. But, uh, I really enjoy it. It would take a lot of 45 minute drives up to OWC. Exactly. Like we're here at my house right now. Walk. 50 feet maybe a little bit farther to my boat i mean when you have a fully weighted g23 in your backyard it's hard to go anywhere else
1: and i love the boat and i know you do too and that's what we grew up in. i've said this before and there's no secret 10 12 years ago i think mike ferraro was probably one of the only people who really truly believed that cable was seriously going to take over yeah you know and uh I've said it I've said this before too. I don't think that he knew that it was going to turn into Wake Park, but he definitely had a good vision for for sure but at the at the end of the day, I was impressed with the air tricks that the guys were doing back back one, but before like Tom Fouche came around, it was just a bunch of dudes who had the guts to wing themselves around on a cable. Exactly. It wasn't stylish or really I'm sorry to say it just wasn't that cool,
0: and I mean, just like what we're talking earlier, like Everyone, however you do do your stuff, it's just, like, it's cool to see people out on the water. And they influence, you know, that next generation, whether it was just to get on a wakeboard or, you know, to do the air tricks. But you see guys like Tom and there's, and um, Daniel. Daniel. Grant, and, yeah. But they still do air tricks, but they grab their board legit. They, like, they figured out a way to. Make it cool. Make it cooler. Yeah. And
1: now that inspires you.
0: For sure. I, I would, I, I'm I not big on the air tricks, but for me, like, a floating skate park, it's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah hey, and you cannot deny that. Yep. You know what? Hey, if, if, uh, if a couple of rolled reverts or a chromo around the turn gets you that overall at the end of the day.
0: Hey, I'll take it.
1: You'll take it. You'll do it. All right, JD, this year in contest, we've seen you basically start your run every time with a wrapped toe toe back seven. Uh, you used the Tobac 900 to win Brostock, uh, and your My Wake video this year, and you also capped off your award-winning web edit with that, uh, Tobac Nine. When will we see the Tobac 1080 from JD
0: Web? Oh man, I really was trying hard to do it before Wake Awards, um, last year, or this year, whatever you know, before September, and uh, I think it was just it came down to the body was beat up. I was tired and it just wasn't going to happen. Um, I've definitely over rotated some towback tens off the double or towback nines off the double up and came around. It's like, all right, I just got to commit to this, but, uh, I want to do one off the double up, but I know I can do it off the wake too. So, you know, it's just all in time, you know, with the boat that we have now and the G like, you know, everything's possible.
1: Sure. Sure. What's the key? What's the, what's the hint, the tip dude, First of all, you're cutting in toe side, not easy. Then you are spinning yourself in a direction that is unnatural toe side. I mean, everything is against you on this. So what's the tip to somebody listening that wants to learn a toe back 180, a toe back three, a toe back five?
0: You know, for me, like I like doing them wrapped. Um, A lot of people are like, oh, wraps easier, which, you know, you're not having to make that first handle pass. But I like to grab my board so I can grab my board longer if I wrap up. Um, but for me, like the main thing when you're doing towback threes or towback 180, is a lot of people let go of the wrap handle right off the top of the wake. And then that's just going to like your lead handle, the main handle that really pulls it away from you. So it's harder to keep it in at your hip. So like the one, like the main thing that I tell people when they're doing anything wrapped is it's just like when you're doing anything off the wake, if you're going to spin up the wake, you're not going to get your pop. And the handle's gonna get pulled away from you. Same thing. If you let go of the wrap handle, you know, too soon, it starts to unwind you as you're going up the wake. So you pop first and then let go and then it helps keep that, that uh main handle right close to your body.
1: There it is, guys. And trick tips with JD Webb. JD, I gotta hand it to you, man. You uh you your 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 wakeboarding it's like poetry in motion and, and it's enjoyable to announce for you and, you. and watch you ride. It's exciting. It's high risk, it's high reward, it's stylish, it's pretty much the way everybody wants to ride. You're one of those guys that when I say your name on the microphone, uh, hold on, I gotta go watch. I yeah. mean, you see it all the time. Thank it's, you. And it's very, very cool, my friend. Dude, we could sit here for hours, you know, and chat, chat it up, so I'm gonna cut this thing right here, but before we finish up, any upcoming projects or appearances that we should look out for, you know, going into 2016?
0: Going into 2016, there's really nothing on the books, which is nice, uh... We won't really know our contest season or schedule until, you know, first of January. But i uh, got a lot of boat shows coming up. Um, I only have two on the books right now, but I know they'll start Where are you coming gonna be? in. Um, Maybe I'll I'm, see you there. I'm going to uh, Russell Marine in Alabama. All right. And then I'm also doing the Portland Boat Show. Beautiful. So Birmingham and Portland so far. But, uh, and I'm sure I saw you, I saw you
1: mixing it up with some of the dealers at dealer hey, days. So you got to, you I'm, gotta,
0: you gotta, you gotta make sure you when, sweet talk them and get them to,
1: when all the other, when all the rest of the athletes were hanging out with each other, I saw you and Byerly sitting over there with, uh, well
0: with that, some of the dealers. Well, that was the main thing that Nautique asked us. They're like, yeah, I know you guys are all friends and you probably don't know all these dealers, but go out and sit with them, talk with them. Like They're it's cool. huge. It means and there, so there's, much. There's, there's a lot of good dealers out there and you know. You know, they'll they'll use us. Uh, and, it's a uh, lot
1: easier to keep your job down the line when the people who are paying the bills continue to ask for you to come up to their shop.
0: Once they stop asking, then you know you're doing something wrong.
1: Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. All right, JD, sponsor love, family love. Who do you want to give some shout-outs to?
0: Yeah, you know, um, definitely my daughter, number one. Uh, she's been the whole reason why, especially since she's been born. Um Given me that extra motivation to do what I do and, uh, make sure I can still provide for her. And, uh, definitely my parents, um, they, I wouldn't be here without my parents and my, you know, my siblings. They've always been super supportive. Um, my whole family in general, but, uh, also sponsors, you know, Nautique boats, hyperlight wakeboards, billabong dragon and uh, performance ski and surf. You know, those guys have been with me pretty much since day one. A little bit newer to Billabong, but you know I feel right at home. So it's uh it's been a good ride, and you know just keep going. Yeah, you
1: fit in there, man. You fit in for sure. Social media outlets.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much uh, JD Web eighty um, seven. Some singer took JD Web, so I had to throw in my date of birth at the end. But uh, JD Web eighty seven on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, on all of it. So you got Follow that blue? Me. You got
1: that blue check?
0: Blue check? No, I'm not that cool. You're not. I'm not that Uh, cool. Are you verified? No. Dude, I've got 5,000
1: followers, man.
0: I know. It's it's so hard to get the blue check, and I think you actually have to contact them to get the blue check because when I was with Red Bull, they were trying to get all their athletes to get the blue check. Like, Do you know who I am? (laughs) Do you know who I am? I have a blue check. Come on.
1: on. that got to be for (laughs) real. JD, thank you, man, so much. Thanks for having us out to your house here. Appreciate it, man. This has been been a lot of fun. It's been a good one.
0: Yeah, thanks for it for coming out boys that's
1: right well guys the final episode of 2015 24 episodes down in the last 52 weeks couldn't have asked for a better guest to finish out the year with and you can dig that baby oh yeah now y'all just hang tight for just one moment after a very short break i'm gonna be back to finish her off right here on the golden Mike podcast yeah Nothing's better than paddling with friends and enjoying a day on the water. And that's why you need to check out Hungry Boards SUP. Hungry Boards go the extra mile and are passionate about their work and the sport of paddle boarding. They strive to create stronger, higher quality boards at a better value. Hungry Boards are designed to provide performance and stability to help keep you hungry for the enjoyment of SUP. Be sure to like them on Facebook And check them out at www.HungryBoardsSup.com. Hungry Boards, real boards for real people. J.D. Webb, the final guest of 2015. What a guy. For any of you listeners out there who are fans of Wake, I do hope you eventually have the chance to meet J.D. He's been a part of the sport for so long. He's done so much and is respected by so many. His style is still dope, and he continues to progress his riding while also continuing to raise the bar on himself and the people he surrounds himself with. I can't believe we're 32 episodes deep on the Golden Mike podcast. What a trip. It's happened so fast, and, well, that's going to do it for 2015, folks, and I'm stoked. I'm pretty proud. It's been a great year. I've traveled around the world. I've announced the biggest events in toad water sports, made many, many new friends, and of course, I feel very accomplished on the fact that we've been able to sustain the entire year delivering episodes as promised. On a side note, one of my goals for 2016 is to find a little more monetary help so I continue delivering the content to all the enthusiasts, fans, and even the newcomers to the world of toad water sports. I thank you all for listening, and if you were to give me a gift this holiday season it would be that you rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Also, just have a happy and healthy new year. Well, that does it, y'all. We'll be back with episode 33 on the first Wednesday of 2016. So stay in touch. I want to hear from you guys. Please shoot me a note through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com, or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page, again, I am on Twitter. You can follow me at the Dano T. Mano or at the Golden Underscore Mike. Better yet, follow me on both. I'm also on Instagram. Shoot me that follow. D-A-N-O-T-M-A-N-O. Dano T is my name. Thank you again to J D Webb. And now a few shout-outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to Performance Ski and Surf, Perfski.com, Hydra Fenders, Hungry Boards, S U P. Woodrose Jammy Pack, C-Deck Marine Products, GoPuck, Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. That's going to do it for 2015, folks. Appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. I'll be back in 2016, guys. Don't forget. I'm the Noise of the North, Daniel Lamano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike
0: Podcast.